only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Right. Well, we'll go ahead and uh, first off say thank you to you, Gavin, for uh, joining us here. Zach, welcome, uh, welcome up from Set of Camera. Yeah. Thanks for uh, letting me get onto the stage. Hey, this is we start how things. This is how we do things. Um, Gavin, thank you so much for coming out. Um, Tin Roof, thank you guys so much for giving us the venue to uh, do this at. We uh, really appreciate it, and uh, I guess we'll just get into it a little bit. What we don't appreciate was uh, that performance by Orlando City at all. There, there was a performance that happened from our club? I mean, I got on the plane. We'll say that much. It's really all they had to do at this point. Didn't really see much. Uh, Pedro made a couple of good saves. So <laughs> that's about it. Yeah. Uh, first and foremost, thanks for inviting me out. Uh, poor. Honestly, it was, it was a very poor performance, very lacked ideas from the coaching staff, I think, right? Like, why didn't we change anything? That's my first question for, you, for all of you. Why didn't we change anything when we saw that nothing was working through the middle? A any answers? Like, why did we continue to go through the middle and Montreal just kept winning the ball off us, kept creating chances? We didn't do anything to counteract that. I mean, it's it's hard to kind of give you an answer for that. I'll be honest. Um, it's definitely very frustrating to see that we couldn't adjust with that. Not the inability to get through the midfield. And we've never really played through the midfield consistently. So it's weird that this game we decided that this is what the, the tactic that we were going to go with here. And to be so stubborn and stupid. it. Um, we saw the sub of Andres Pereira late in the game, but didn't really do much but shore up the fact that we were going to let up another goal. Uh, you said we, well, I guess with you said that we didn't really control the midfield at all, but we also got dominated out wide. There was nothing that we really saw get going out wide. Usually we see Ruan get chances and then try to put a good ball in. Usually it's not a good ball, but uh, we didn't even really see much of that. Uh, Joao. From what I saw, had no impact. Or other other than the goal, he didn't really do much. Yeah, I think. Junior says, "Go ahead." I'll say, um, I think the subs that Oscar made with Junior, um, I think he should have done that at halftime, change it up. Because I mean, realistically, at halftime, it should have been three 0 We should have been down, um, and I think Junior would have provided some stability. There's a possibility of us being down two within eight minutes. Lapa Liner had a chance, and then Kyoto's header that just slightly over the bar. Easily could have been down 2-0. If it wasn't for Galese, we would have been down 3-0 at half. And after that, in the second half, we it would have been like 5-0 if he didn't make the saves that he made. So, yeah. From open play, we had absolutely nothing. The one yeah, goal we, we scored was obviously the Joao header on the corner. 
but were we really threatening at all from open play? No, not at all. So, so I'm someone who is big on the why. Like anybody who listens to this, who listens to my podcast, I try to answer the why. Why were we struggling this match? Why? Tactics were poor. We didn't try to adjust anything, and I think we just kind of thought we could come out, control the game, but obviously that wasn't the case. They were missing Wanyama and Kone, but Mihailovic took over the midfield, took over the attacking third, and then we just had nothing to try to counter that. But even what were our tactics? Was it to try and like bring them in and then play through them? Because I didn't see a lot of that. I didn't see a lot of playing it long and trying to win the second ball. I didn't see a lot of putting the ball into the channels for Benji Michelle. I didn't see a lot of balls up the top to Pato to hold up, let the attack push forward. We didn't see a lot of any tactics. We just went out there and tried to make it difficult for them to score against us. We looked afraid. We played for the draw. I think that's a I think great point. when Janssen went out last week, we wrote our own destiny, and we knew that we were going to be playing with two backup center halves. And that was what we did. We came out there, and we tried to play defensive, play compact, play shallow. And that is our weakness. Whenever we try to do that, we see ourselves get caught out of position. We see ourselves get... It's, that's what I feel like we did. I think that's fair, because how often have we seen a double pivot this season of Mendez and Araujo? We haven't. It's been Urso, Araujo, and Pereira in a three in midfield. Instead, we went the 4-2-3-1. To, I think we were afraid to, because of Williams, afraid to leave him uh, exposed in the back four. That, I mean, he so, looked fine tonight, didn't he? My question I pose to you now is, would you have rather seen us play, say, Kyle Smith in a back three rather than that mid- that's two pairing a midfield to give us that surety in the back line with Williams you know, only being 17, only having this is his first cap in the MLS? In hindsight, yes. Right? Yeah, I mean, always <laughs> hindsight's 2020. Hindsight, but. yes. Um, what, where, where do we take that player away? Do we go with the Benji Pato up top that we saw in the Open Cup? That, then we're, we're, we're taking, who, Faku out? Because then Pereira stays, and then the fan base is mad because Facundo Torres didn't start. Right. Who, so there's, there's always the give and take there, but hindsight, yes. I'm interested to see what you three think. Zach? I don't know. There's a lot of things running through my mind not great things. Um, I, in our preview uh, episode, I said that we run a 3-5-2 and then we just have Araujo sit as a pivot, two CMs right above him, then a left mid and a right mid, then two people up top. I think that could have helped us out tremendously. It gives us the width that we like to play with um, and then controlling the midfield. We play with the two pivots. We haven't really done that before. And then Araujo is comfortable playing just as a single pivot. Um, so it's just kind of misfiring everywhere from players on the pitch. And then Oscar tactically just kind of got it wrong and didn't try to change it in any form. So my question is, we go, we go to 2-1 after Joao's header. Why do we take out Mauricio and replace him with Andres? 
I think potentially that comes down to the fact that we all coming into this game could see this as a game to give him rest, change formation, play with two eights rather than a 10. You know what I mean? And he came in, I mean, he's getting up there in age, man. He's been playing the game a long time. He can go out there and look confident even when he has higher legs. So we don't know what's, you know, what he looks like day in and day out in practice. Maybe Poppy felt like he needed to pull him out and keep him healthy for more games this season. For Mo? Yeah, well, I mean, Mo's been consistently playing week in, week out, week, in, week out. So I think it's, it's probably about time for him to get a little bit of rest. That's probably why we saw Andres come on. Then even that comes back to us not having a second attack mid. You see Andres come on for him, but he's not a true attack mid. It probably gets mad every single time that Andres comes on because he's not a true attack mid. And then we get mad at him because he doesn't play the best in that attacking role. Where he does fit better is just in a midfielder role, kind of box to box. But for him to try to have to play that role isn't the best for one, the fan base to get mad at him. Then his confidence goes down. And then when he tries to go out and play that attack mid role, he's going to be even worse because confidence just isn't there. So what I think we saw also was Facundo Torres move more central. I don't know if you guys agree, but Facundo Torres moved more central to, to kind of help facilitate. And this was still at 2-1, so we still had a chance to do something in this match to get us a goal, to get us a tie. Didn't work. Uh, and it's not always going to work, right? You, you think of something in your head, and, and you think, oh, Perea can do this, Fabio Torres can do this. Clearly didn't work, and Montreal countered us with bringing Zachary Braukiard on, who's a more attacking right wing back than Alistair Johnston, and he completely tore us apart on that right-hand side, getting a goal and assist. So you can understand the change a little bit. We have a lot of matches coming up with Philadelphia, Toronto, and Austin over the next two weeks. We can't just play him, play him, play him. He had to come out somewhere. These are the matches, I think, where we need someone like Facundo Torres to step up. Yeah, so that's, like you said, we saw him play a little more centrally when, when Mo went off. And something that I've been asking for on the pod is for him to play that false nine role because I feel like he can do really well giving the freedom to roam and stuff like that. After watching this match today, I don't, I'm, I'm going to have to go back and watch it again, but I'm not really sure I like him centrally at all. Facundo? Yeah. Is it that you don't like him centrally or is it that you don't like him centrally with a striker right on top of him and right. Mo playing in that same position? It's like That's why I said, players. I'm going to have to go back and watch a little bit more. My first instant reaction is I don't want to see that again. It's frustrating seeing that, seeing him come in. We see it literally every single game. We see him tuck inside and try to get either Ruan, depending on which side he's starting on, Ruan or Joao off the pitch. And then it, it just clogs up the middle. And that could be partly the main reason why we don't try to play through the middle is because it's so clogged. And all the team has to do is then sit there and cut off those passing ones. Then we don't get one of our, two of our most creative uh, players, the ball, in Facundo and Mo. But when they do get the ball, like we're at our best attacking. But when we clog it up ourselves, then we're just useless going forward. I will say there was one instance of that. I remember walking over and looking at the TV screen and seeing that like game, like there was Facundo, Benji, like, Mauricio and Cara all standing in the middle of the pitch, and I don't know. It's just, it doesn't work. 
I think one of the big things is, and this is starting to become a theme this season, is if you stop Orlando City's midfield, you stop Orlando City. Why are we not being proactive, seeing that teams are catching on to this? New York Red Bulls did it to us. I think LAFC did it to us. A lot of people thought that LAFC got a little lucky with their goals and we gave it to them. I thought they pressed us well in midfield, personally. So, And Cincinnati as well, winning the ball in the middle third of the pitch, going up the field and counterattacking. Our big losses this season have come from losing the ball in midfield, opposing team counterattacking and scoring. Why are we not being proactive and switching things up a little bit to, to negate teams from, from catching on to us. You know, why aren't we seeing that we've been, you know, we're getting pushed in the midfield and all of a sudden, why don't we go, okay, we're going to play it over the top to Benji. We're going to play it into the corners of the pitch, let Benji run onto it, force them back. Maybe he can get onto one or two of them, hold the ball and push them back. We're not pushing teams back. We're trying to play through the midfield. We're trying to hold possession. It's not working, and that's been a very big frustration for me um, with the coaching staff. I don't think it's the players. I think some people will be mad at the players after this. I'm frustrated with our coaching staff. Um, I pose one name to that question about changing the tactics and the way we play. Uh, Stone Gonzalez, I really do feel like he was about to be something that we saw come into this team and be somebody that changed the way we play. Yep. Completely. And the injury completely changed all of our all of our plans moving forward, and we're still trying to adjust. Oh, you got something going on, Bryce? What? I was just gonna say pain, pain. Because I did when I saw we were linked to him, and I watched videos of him playing. I was like, he would slot into this team and fit perfectly with Oscar's system. And then he gets hurt on his last game out pain and i felt that pain ever since i did because again and again benji shows that he's not going to be our starting left winger there's no shot yeah he's fast and the only other thing he can do is finish ball but can't do anything else he can't dribble he can't lay off to other teammates he can't link up play through the left wing and then what you just have someone that's fast and that can finish on the left wing so would you rather start sylvester Put Fundo out no. left and put Sylvester out, right? Or would no, you rather no. have Benji? I want to see more Jake, our new signing. Yeah. Now we have it's him. That's for... another guy we could put out there. Huh? So now that we have him, that's another guy that yes. we could put out there. Yeah. I mean, his first touch is better than Benji's. And that automatically makes him more likely to get started. I was going to say, thoughts on, thoughts on Jake Mulroney. You brought up left winger as an issue. Benji Michelle, very quick, can go down the line, can't do anything with it once he gets the ball. We saw that a couple times this match alone. We've seen it a lot this season. I want to hear your guys' thoughts on Jake Mulroney. We only saw a little bit of him, but I thought he looked good. The first 20 seconds he's on the field, he puts a beautiful ball in, and it got cut off by a center back. But 20 seconds into a team that he's been here for, what, two days, three days? And he's already making those passes. I mean, I wasn't able to watch much of him. I was trying to get stuff set up over here. But the one highlight that I did see was him putting that ball into the box. And their keeper came out and grabbed it. But just seeing him be able to whip a good ball into the box is something that even Benji isn't able to bring sometimes. So to have that guy off the bench 
is, is great or even a start. All the Atlanta fans and the like, comments of the post when they announced a trade were, why are we trading away a guy that can create so much? Because he can come off the bench, make an impact, or start making an impact and just kind of have that spark that he needs to bring to a team to get them in the match. And I think we could have seen a little bit more of that, but he just needs to build chemistry of the team over time because he's only been here for however many days, 40 days. hours at tops. Yeah, I think we saw that experience and European quality come into play. You see somebody that is a QPR product that played at uh, Hearts, got minutes over there. Um, that's, that's quality. So I think we saw that come into play that somebody that even that may not be a starting player, that's an impact player to come off the bench that comes on and gives us that quality. He has all that European experience and quality. He's still only 26. So now him coming over here from the team up north a little bit um, gets a chance to play his, hopefully, his full prime out here in Orlando and maybe cement a spot in the starting 11 if the other players can't keep the quality up. Yeah, I mean, he gives us that, bo- that option to come and play the ball from outside the box, play the early ball in. Um, like you said before, Benji doesn't really give us that. Benji is much more of a take-on player. He tries to take you by line, beat you that way, um, look for cutback passes, or even be there on the backside. But I don't expect to see him in our starting rotation right now. He does have a ton of quality, and I think that's quality we need coming off the bench to make difference in games like this. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you, you talked about the, the quality of the one cost that he had, and I think that's something that, as Orlando City in general, we've been lacking is the quality of the final ball or the quality of the cross. What do you guys think is going on with that right now? Because like in, in warm-ups, everything's pretty good, and then you get that's, the game. That's warm-ups. There's I know, no one like, marking anyone. I realize, but there's still chances in the game where no one's marking either Ruan or Joao, and they put a ball either straight straight across or it's floated 15 yards over so how many times you've still seen ruan put in a bad ball in warm-ups because i know it's over 30 to 40 percent of them 80 80 <laughs> percent i would say it comes down to a composure issue we have across the team it's just in general every single position across the board is not composed i mean the most composed we saw us was against columbus i would have to say and we look great in that game and at our best, we look unbeatable. But at our worst, when we're uncomposed and we have no, no, no tactic, nothing, this is what happens. And it's just like we were saying the other day on the episode. I was saying that we're finding, to wait, finding ways to win games when we're not at our best. And then we turn around and do this. Yeah. What I was saying earlier, it's like whenever we do lose, we lose. It's not close game. LAFC is 4-2. Here it's four to one. Red Bulls, it's three to nothing. So like eleven goals in three games. Yeah. And we've looked pitiful in all of that. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this. Uh I think going back to your part your point, Kanata, like composure in the final third comes down to chemistry sometimes, and we have a new attack. We'll say we have a new attack, but it's Kara and it's Pato. Okay, so we have a new attack. Kara, Pato, and we have Facundo Torres. Facundo Torres hasn't 
been what we all wanted him to be. He's really helping in the, the build-up and getting the ball to the final third, but he's not having that final ball. Hara isn't going to deliver that final ball. Pato will deliver that final ball, but we're not getting the ball to him properly. So I think it's the how do we get the ball to the right people in the right positions to do the right things where we're struggling because we're getting the ball to the wrong people to do the right things. Juan, we should not be giving our or, or setting up our team around Juan putting a ball into the box because he can't do it. You know, yes, he can get into the position, but he's the wrong person to deliver the final ball. We've seen that for three years now under Juan. We need to get Pato into the right decision and the right positions to make the final pass. We need to have Kara getting across, receiving a, a ball through on goal in tight spaces like we saw against Columbus to, to do something with it. That's where Kara's best. That's where he was best for Rapid VM. For us, what have we seen? We've seen for Kara, we've seen him have to run through on goal 40-yard runs, he's never going to do that. He's not fast enough. So we're not putting him in the right position to succeed. Facundo Torres, he's had chances to do the right thing at the right time, and I think he is the right player to do it, but he's not making the right decision. He's shooting from 30 yards out. He's passing to the wrong player. He's not making runs. That's going to come with time with Facundo Torres in a new league. So I think the tactics need to change in the attack. I, I think it's kind of, it's really mismatched. We have the wrong players for the wrong situations. We don't have them in the right spots. We're not using them correctly. The, the, the coaching staff have to figure out how do we get the right people in the right spots to do the right things? And then they need to do the right things. And right now, even when we do get in that position, we're not doing it. I think... Um... I agree 100% with you. And Bryce brought up a really good point on the last episode when he said that we need to get Kara more involved in the game. And that can't just be in the final third. It needs to be around the midline. It needs to be around the edges of the box. You know what I mean? Like he needs to get involved. And I think that's a big part of our game. We've seen him in the past two matches. I don't know the exact statistic today yet, but have under 40 touches in a game. It's like our number nine he should be seeing 45 plus. He's had 23 and a 32. Like that's not. He had 12 in 30 minutes. Oh, today. My bad. So. Well, today, yeah, just 12 touches in 30 minutes. So even 30 minutes. That's less than a touch per two minutes. When you're trying to build up the midfield, which we were all game, and your striker has 12 touches in 30 minutes, that's it's not working. So that it's goes back working. to Gavin's point as to we're putting the wrong players in a position to do the right things. Caro might be in the right position, but the ball is not getting to him from the right player, let alone even get to him from a player. So again, it, it comes back down to are we putting the right player out on the field in the right places to get the results that we need? And right now the answer is just no. Why aren't we trying to play with Caro like we did with DK, where he could – we could use him as a build-up option. He has a physical ability yes. to do that. And, and he has the passing ability to link up with teammates and make runs in behind I think once he does that. But DK was – he knew how to use his body better. No. Wide for – No, I'm right I, there. Kara really, is very good at using his body. We're not having him do that. We, ha we haven't seen that from him. But all in Austria, that's all they did with him. Inside the box, I take DK all every day of the week. 
in physical in physicality, beating people to the ball, getting winning those hitters. But in build up play, I agree with him. Kara Kara knows how to shield the ball, win that hold the ball up and find those passing lanes. I'm taking DK receiving the ball and turning or even laying it off. You're turning, yes. Holding a man off and playing it to somebody to our team, no. I think that's the difference. You want him to turn and I and we want Car to to link. That's the difference, right? I want I want a complete striker. I want him to be able to do everything and I feel like we're not going to have that in MLS. Yeah, I was going to say I'm <laughs> sorry, I like Kai Havertz is at Chelsea. He's not coming to Orlando City. <laughs> He's been able – DK was able to do both. And even if he wasn't in the game, as I say with Kara, I feel like he was still able to do more or even just notice that he's on the pitch. Yes. That's when Kara's on the pitch, but you can't notice him, you just say like, whoa, we have a striker? Yeah. But I the only reason that that's not happening is because we're not trying to play through Kara. Right we're now. not using him correctly. Exactly what Bryce said. We're not trying to play through Kara. I think like, if we tried to play through Kara, like Bryce is getting at, we would see him more often. And, and that comes down to why aren't we? It, may, it seems to make sense. He uses his body well. He wins fouls, which releases pressure on our defense. I think we approached this specific match wrong. We should have started Kara. I thought this was a Kara game. It's up against three defenders. Pato was never, ever, ever going to win any battle against Camacho, Kamal Miller, and Joel Waterman. It wasn't going to happen. So I don't know if we were saving his legs for Philadelphia, but this initially I was thinking, yeah, Pato could drop into the space between the midfield and the defense, and we didn't do that at all. They stopped that supply. They clogged up the midfield, and... I can't remember who said it. Maybe it was you. Um, we should have seen that triple sub at halftime. And it, we were still 1-0 down. That maybe would have changed things. But we're not overall, we're not using Kara correctly, in my opinion. All right. So closing thoughts on the match, anybody? I never want to see Pato starting as striker ever again. Alone, alone, alone. Okay. As, as a single striker, I know. He doesn't do anything. There's the, even, I, it was a chance in first 25, 26 minutes, ball played over the top, he was able to chest it down, but it was a terrible touch, kind of like what we talked about before the match, where his first touch has never been great. And it went right to Kamal Miller, Kamal Miller turned to his right, and then Facundo was there to sweep it up. And that's honestly, if I'm trying to think back, that's one of the only things I remember Pato doing, and it was a terrible touch. So I can somewhat agree with you on that to where I don't want to see him starting a striker against a three-back alone ever again. Especially if we're trying to build through the middle. bro. Like, we need a striker that can control the ball. And if he has a good touch 20% of the time, the rest of the time, it's just, oh, he touched the ball. Look, it's, they got the ball back. It's because he tries to be too fancy sometimes, and he just doesn't have to. All he has to do is either turn the other way or take a normal touch. That's what I feel like his big problem is. You're right. Uh, we saw it against Charlotte when he came on the field. He had a couple flicks. We needed him to just hold the ball, and that brought on more pressure. Uh, luckily, we didn't concede, but you're right. He does try too much to, to just do flicks and tricks and not just keep it simple. Would Tesho have started this game if he was available? No. No. I hope not. I mean, knowing Oscar, yes. Do I want Tesho to start? Not necessarily, but it's like you said, we're, we're relying on him to come off the bench and 
contribute to the game rather than him being a goal scorer. Could we have seen him come in this game? Maybe. Not on right wing, but up top, potentially. So we've, we've said we don't want to see Pato, right? As striker. This just started against Galaxy, right? Or am I wrong there? I'll to make sure. He may have. He, he... The only reason I say that is it's, it's a striker, one striker against three defenders. I think if Tesha was available, we would have seen him as a pressing striker. Did he start? Kara started. Kara started? Okay. So yeah, because he had the assist in the night minutes of Facundo. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Duh. But I, I, I think this was, might have been a match where we would have seen Tesha start. And fans would have been like yourself. Why, why, why? For the more defensive side of it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't for the striker part of it. And that's just who Tesho is. We don't play him to score goals. We play him to press. I think one of the more realistic things we could have seen is if I believe Kara didn't start because rest, he's been playing a lot for us. So I think if we, if he didn't need a rest, the more realistic thing we could have seen was Kara up top, Patsawa right, and then Tesho eventually coming on for Kara, like in the 60th minute or 70th minute, whenever Oscar decides he wants to sub at the wrong time. I think that's possibly the more realistic thing that we could have seen. All right. Anything else that we have to say on the match itself specifically? All right, so, Kevin, this is a segment that we do on our show where we give our top two, or I'm sorry, our top two rated player and our bottom one rated player. I think, for I think this week we're going to change it to our top rated player and our bottom two rated. So I'll go ahead and start it off. Um, my top rated player is going to be to the 17-year-old Thomas Williams. Um, he didn't have a... Phenomenal. What? He didn't have a phenomenal performance. He didn't do anything wrong. What? He also didn't watch the first half. But, but me? No, no, no. no. I, I, yeah, I oh. was in and out the first half. But right. well, who else had a good game for us other than Joao scoring the goal? I'll tell you one person, Mauricio. He had an assist and he was playing well in midfield. And we take him out for Andres. It's, it blows my mind. I don't know what Oscar's little brain is thinking when he thinks Andre is going to come and replace our top assister in MLS history. It, 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 it does not make sense. It doesn't. And it pisses me off just a little bit. So, okay. A lot of bit. Sorry. <laughs> go, go for it. Going back to Kanata really quick. You gave it to Thomas Williams. To put that into perspective, he had a 4.6 on foot mob, the lowest in our world. Well, I guess I'll have to go back and watch the first half in its entirety. But, I mean, did Schlegel have much a higher rater, like that much of a higher rating than him? Schlegel is at 5.3. Williams is at 4.6. Yeah. I mean, they're both awful. Neither one I of think, them. I think if you watch the game back, you'll see in the first half, there are a lot of times where he would stab in unnecessarily, which would lead to, you know, someone breaking away, which is why his score would be a lot lower. I feel that I, I think I give him a little leeway, in my opinion, because that's his first MLS minutes as a starter. So we saw him grow into the game. You know what I mean? Like, when I watched the game, obviously, me saying he's the highest-rated player, I felt like he was composed enough. There are some moments in the first half that you'll see that he's 17 years old. And he, he's 17-year-old yeah, first yeah. MLS minutes. Yeah, right? Yeah. right? So you remember how he, like, Impresses in the open cup and the preseason game, just like he could carry the ball on and progress the ball upfield. This game, whenever you received the ball, he was like, Oh, damn, I don't know what's going on. And just kick very it away. safe, very, very safe yeah, on was, the ball. 
Thomas Reserve. Williams, definitely. All right, your top-rated player, Gavin. Top-rated player, it's got to be Pedro. It's got to be Galese. I don't think any of the outfield players can get a shout. Um, it's got to. He, he kept us in this match for as long as he could with that block on Lapalainen, uh, and he had. A, I think there were there were there was one on Lapalainen, and I can't remember who the other one was on. They had two good saves in this match, one v one, and that kept us in it. Uh, and we had a chance to do something with it, and we didn't take advantage of that. But Pedro. You're, you're definitely getting a shout there with Pedro. I was going to go with Joao just because he's a goal scorer, our possibly only bright spot from the match. No. But even sometimes defensively, he wasn't great. He got beat down with Brook Yard or however you say his name. I can't remember exactly. He looked like a chicken with his head cut off. Dog. He couldn't keep the ball. Yeah. So uh, you've made me change my mind to go from our goal scorer to Pedro because he did have a bunch of good saves. It kind of reminds me of a B-Tech, C-Tech, Tim Howard versus Belgium in the World Cup because he could have been down 2-0. Although the, the first Kyoto uh, chance, he didn't have a save. It was just put over the bar. But even the Lapa line in chance in the eighth minute where he just made himself be forced to save brings him above Joao Forney for that man of the match, our top one-rated player. I'm going to back on you guys, and I'm also going to say Pedro. Um, I, without him, it, I think pretty easily could have been six or seven goals that we conceded today. I'd love to give it to Joao, but I think 40% of the time when he was on the field, we had positive play from him, and 60% of the time, it's just he's just kind of there and not really beneficial to the team. Have we? Uh, have you gone? Have you said yours? He said Mo. I said Mo. And the only reason I say that is because when he came off of the field, we lost all of our midfield presence. We had barely any, but when he came off, we just it was done. The whole the, you just could tell the game was over. We weren't going to be putting balls in. We we're going to be defending, and we're already down what two to one? I think it was or three to one. It it, it was one of those. But we were never going to get back into the game with him off the pitch. All right, then moving from our top-rated player, we're going to our bottom two. Um, I say we just make it simple this time. Go down the line, go down the line start with Gavin, <laughs> and just say our bottom two because I'm not ready for this. A lot. There's a lot of options, right? Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> all right, bottom-rated player. Two of them. Two of them? Oh, my God. Is it, we usually do top two, bottom one. Top when two, we lose one. this bad, it's got to be bottom two, top one. I thought Schlegel was pretty poor on the night. I thought his positioning was poor. He got caught out a lot. I don't, I'm not sure if he was at fault for any of the goals. They certainly didn't help. And just for thought, just for just for thought process, and, and also I did think he was kind of poor, Facundo. These are the matches where we need him to step up to create something out of nothing. We're not getting that from him right now, and I thought he was poor tonight overall. So I'm going to go Schlegel and Facundo as all right, and you've made me think yet again. Schlegel wasn't great. I think the worst center back was Thomas Williams, though, just because of his inexperience and, well, saying lack of playing time is the same thing as inexperience, but just like his youth um, showed in this game, playing up against a team that was in great form. We obviously saw that today. So my first one is going to be Thomas Williams. Then my second one, um, uh, I'm going between Benji and Ruan. And I'm just going to go Benji because I don't think when he got the ball, I was just kind of like, oh, 
yeah, well, we're not getting anywhere. That's the end of this attack. So uh, him getting the ball just wasn't great. And you don't want to do that about one of your attackers when they're receiving the ball. And we saw that from Benji, right? He got the ball, lost it. Jake Mulraney, at least when he got the ball, he was able to make a pass. He was yep. able to keep it a little bit and so have that speed. Very okay. excited for Jake. Dave? Um, my first player, I'm going to go Thomas Williams. I really like the way he plays, but today, and this isn't a knock on him, but you can see today he's just really out of his depth. And for my second, um, I was going to go Benji, but I guess to be a little bit different, I'm going to go Pato. Like he was just kind of really just there today. He didn't really do much. His touch was below average. Yeah. So I'm going I'm to go Schlegel, actually. I, I really think it wasn't all Thomas Williams' fault because most of the times when they had good chances, it was always Schlegel that was out of position, causing Thomas Williams to do something that he shouldn't have to do. It was either Schlegel going up the pitch when shouldn't have happened, stabbing in at a ball, and Thomas Williams being faced with three attackers coming at him. Or it was I can't, their third goal, no. The fourth goal, no. The first. Okay, well, the fourth goal was all Andre's fault for giving the ball away off a terrible pass. I mean, so you're blaming Schlegel for Thomas Williams' mistakes? No, I'm just saying the reason why Thomas Williams has such a bad match and he's so young is because Schlegel was always out of position. What did I just say? I just said you're blaming Williams. That's Slagle was out of position, which made Williams have a bad game. Not that wasn't all the time, though. Like there were times where the ball would get played into the attacker that was in front of um, Thomas, and he'd stab him, and then he turned by him really quickly. So it's not all Rodrigo's fault that Thomas kind of got caught out today. So in a back four, you usually have someone who steps and someone who sweeps. And Williams, uh, that we, all we've seen from him so far is the sweeping portion. He's always the guy who, who drops back to get the guy who gets into the space. That's who Williams has been for us. Rodrigo's always been the stepping guy, the guy to step forward. So, so maybe in our analysis, we see Rodrigo step up to kind of get somebody and Thomas Williams to step back. Well, that means Thomas Williams is 1v1, and... He was stabbing. You are correct. You want to see a center back do better in those positions. And then we're saying Rodrigo was out of position because he his job is to step. I think Rodrigo was stepping at the wrong times. And then I think Thomas Williams got isolated 1v1. So I don't think there's any fault at, fault at play. But I do think Williams struggled in those 1v1s. So I think it's fair to highlight him. 17 years old, yada, yada, yada. We get the caveats. He's starting because... Janssen decided to yell at the ref three times this season and get a yellow card. He should not be starting this match in all reality. No. Is that just your one? You got one more to go, right? I got one more, but it's not a player. Oscar Pereira. Those tactics were pitiful. That's a pitiful. shout. Pitiful. I don't care. It's not all on the players sometimes. Did you just say get out? Did you what? Just say get out? I said that's a shout. Oh, I heard get out, and I was like, no, look, he's no, right. Look, look, no, no, no. OC Twitter, I'm not calling for his head. I'm being critical of him and questioning why he did some of the things that he did this game. And that's it. That's I think it's a very good coach. 100% fair. And he just got it all wrong this game. Yeah, I think yeah. even yeah. just us doing bottom two players, it's kind of okay to say it this game because he just got everything wrong and he never 
I guess you could say he tried to fix it with substitutions, but nothing tactically changed. Um, so that's not a bad shout. Kanata, if you want to give your two. Um, yeah, it's hard to give a two. It really is. I mean, I'm going to have to go Benji for one of them. Um, he was very underwhelming today. Not impressed at all. Um, I understand that it's not his game to play that, that ball in the box and stuff like that, but I'm not impressed with him today. And Pato, relatively useless in all, in all reality today. You're our number nine, you know, four, two, three, one. You got to be that guy. And I find it interesting, none of us, Moutinho, I thought he was poor other than the goal. And it was a header off a corner. Do you think if he wouldn't have scored, we would be piling on a little more or no? Oh, absolutely. I think other than the goal, he didn't do anything either today. I can, I feel like I'm just trying to excuse myself here, but I don't think that I would have gotten on him as much as I do Thomas Williams or Shagel or Ruan or Benji. I feel like even those four still had a game than Moutinho. To be fair, Moutinho's had a fantastic season. I think this has been his personal worst performance. But, um, and that's from giving the ball away. Maybe not even defensively, but he w could not keep the ball for us. No one else could keep the ball either. So it was just an interesting thought for me that popped up. Yeah, I think uh, we're almost about wrapped up here. Not a great night. Huh? It's a not a great night, not a great day. Um, Canada can suck my ass. Actually, <laughs> actually, it's a great day because happy. Oh birthday, yeah, happy, yes. Happy, happy birthday, birthday to you, happy Gavin. Gavin. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Orlando. Really appreciate that. A legend <laughs> was born today. Huh? A legend was born back oh. in 1999. Correct. 1999, May 7th. Appreciate it, guys. Really, really appreciate hey. it. Well, thank you again for coming out. And thank you for supporting these watch parties since day one. And thank you again to Tin Roof for allowing us to use these venues and with their drink specials and all the stuff that they work out for us. Um, make sure that you guys are ready to go for the game against New England, June 15th, I believe. I believe we'll, so, yeah. Zach will cut something in here to show you the exact date. Um, show out, man. Come out here. The people here at Tin Roof are great. And as you can see, they let us assholes sit up every week and, and <laughs> do what we do. So uh, next watch party is Wednesday, June Wednesday. I don't even know if I said that right. June 15th, uh, 7.30 p.m. kick. So no NMLS, like 7.40 because time doesn't exist. Um, we'll be here starting around 7 o'clock, probably maybe closer to 7.30, depending on TV coverage. Uh, give us a follow at OCFanTV on Instagram, OCFanTV22 on Twitter. Follow Gavin on Twitter at LionsBlog1 is his handle. Just look up LionsBlog. I'm sure you'll see him on there. Great content. Um, yeah. 4-1 loss to Montreal. And yeah, I wish I had a drink to chug to finish out the episode, but... Uh, I was going to say, there's a lot more of these uh, in the window. Yeah. I will have some of those. Going to need the alcohol tonight. I hope you, well, I don't know. I hope you guys do too, but Look, we'll, we'll, we'll see you next match. At the end of the day, you can't win them all on the road. We take it, we move on, and we improve. That's all we can do. That's it. Three, three points for, no, not even three Philadelphia. points. Philadelphia. Open Cup match Tuesday at home. Be there. We'll be there outside KC after the match, I think, after the end of all our podcasts. Now we just ramble on because we think we cover everything, but we don't.
so yeah, uh, you, look, you look like you've got something else to say. So Yeah, I was just going to say, make sure you come up and see us after the Open Cup match. We will be there, all of us, after game. So outside Gate C, across the street from uh, Church Street. Not Church Street, what is that right there? Whatever it is, we're, we're on the other side of the road. A lot of people walk past us, and a lot of you guys do come out and yell at the camera. So All you got to do is look for a bright light and some idiots standing there trying to talk to you. So, and a drunk price. And a drunk about price. That. Good yeah, that's not great. All right, we will see you guys next episode previewing the Philadelphia Open Cup match. Thank you again to Gavin Lyons Blog for coming out and being here with us. And we will see you all on the next episode. Montreal's poutine is dry. Every day, we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.